Welcome to Now Let's Talk, the podcast, where Vanessa Corwin and Kathleen Kahn talk with our guests about life in a post-pandemic world. Hello, I'm Vanessa Corwin. And I'm Kathleen Kahn. Did you ever wonder what goes on behind the cameras in those steamy sex scenes we see in film, television, and even theater? These days, most likely an intimacy coordinator is involved. With us today is Evelyn Fogelman, an intimacy coordinator, to give us a behind-the-scenes look at this new and growing profession. Evelyn, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. So first of all, uh, can you explain for our listeners exactly what an intimacy coordinator or intimacy coach does? Yes. So an intimacy coordinator is the title we use specifically for those of us that work in the TV and film industry. The similar role in theater would be an intimacy director. Intimacy coordinators work as a consent expert, a choreographer, and a performer advocate for any scenes where we're doing simulated sex, hyperexposure, nudity, anything that's going to put a performer in a hyperexposed environment. You have been in the film business for over 10 years as a stunt woman receiving some nominations for your work. Uh, tell us about the experience that led you to something like this, being an intimacy coordinator? So my path through the industry has been quite unique in, in many sense, because I actually started and did the bulk of my work in the production department. Uh, I started as a production assistant and I worked on set as like a base camp PA and all of those various roles to support production. And I became an assistant director from that. And then from working as an assistant director is actually when I transitioned more into working in the stunt side of things, because I had opportunities to work with the stunt department and support them in like the same logistical capacity that I was supporting, like the full productions in. And it was a fun job. We got to do really cool scenes and we got to really, I liked how we got to hyper focus more on singular scenes than running the entire production. So in doing that work, that's where I've I've had my glorious claim to fame as a stunt woman, which is where I do these amazing trip and falls in the background of a few things. So so the awards that I, I have gotten for that work uh, really go out to the absolute incredible work of our teams that I was able to support uh, heavily from a logistical standpoint. But what this also gave me was a really deep peek into physical movement storytelling and the protections we have to put around performers who are using their bodies to tell stories. And so with stunts, what that is, is protecting people in a very real way of people that are falling off of things or falling to the ground or getting hit by things and all of the things we had to put in place around that. And so the transition from that into intimacy coordinating is actually very, very similar. And so instead of pr protecting someone who is, say, jumping out of a building, we're putting all of these protocols and protections in place around someone who is exposing their body or they are simulating some really intimate acts. And we're thinking about how do we support this person, not just physically, but also mentally through that process. So when you started, was there even such a thing as an intimacy coordinator or intimacy coach? Not, not even the emotion of one. I, I know that in the theater industry, there has been intimacy coordinators for 
a bit longer, but the I the concept of intimacy coordinator wasn't even introduced to me until around 2016, 2017. Um, oh. That was when I first heard the term and heard it being brought into the into the industry. Since this was now an option for you, did the Me Too movement help with this? Is this something that, you know, edged you on to say, yeah, I need to protect women? Oh, absolutely. I mean, all performers. So this, the Me Too movement really pulled back the curtain on a lot of things in our society, but it definitely exposed Hollywood in a very real way because so much of that movement centered around bad behaviors that were going on within the industry that were systemic. And I mean, as a woman who was in the industry who had been exposed to different types of sexual harassment myself and had witnessed different types of sexual harassment on sets, the idea that I would be able to make a positive change for the industry towards not having the next generation experience that was huge to me. And for the actual profession, I think the Me Too movement cast a light on it in a way that was really needed at the time. So we had trailblazers like Alicia Rodas and Claire Warden, and they were really trying to, to get this thing on its feet in the industry. You know, I'm just thinking, do you have an idea of the number of intimacy coordinators that now exist since it started? It would be tough for me to to give a, a specific number because we, you know, we practice all across the nation and all across the world. Um, this is not just confined to the United States, but it's also abroad as well. Uh, I know personally, I trained with coordinators from the United States, from the United Kingdom, from Australia, from New Zealand, uh, from Canada. So we we are, it's a quite a widespread industry, I would say. I mean, we're certainly in the dozens. Um, I don't know if we've cracked three figures yet, but we're we're rapidly growing. You're You're getting there, right? Who hires you from a production? So it typically is either the director or the production coordinator or a producer. It really depends on who's kind of taken the lead on that. My relationship with the director is very important when it comes to intimacy coordinating. So I am always thrilled when the director is the one that reaches out and we get to have that kind of initial contact with each other and, and touch base on what they're looking to get out of that relationship. But sometimes it's a unit you know, production manager that's like, hey, they the actress says they won't go on set unless we have an intimacy coordinator. Are you free, you know, Friday? So it's it really depends, but it's coming from production or the director. When you're there, do you have, uh, let's say you have an actor that feels one way and on the other hand, the director wants something else. Where do you fit in? How do you manage to play that little game where you're satisfying everybody? Well, that's a lot of my my job is managing that kind of dynamic. So there's a people have a lot of different feelings about this role, but my goal is to be a collaboration facilitator. So what I'm doing is I'm not there to block communication between the performers and the director, but I'm there to make sure that I'm we're diffusing those power, those innate power dynamics that exist between the person that's like writing your checks and then you wanting <laughs> to do a good job. And so say a, a performer is really on board and really wants me there and the director really doesn't, I do my best to communicate with the director, like, how can I best support you in this process? Do you want me kind of, do you feel comfortable choreographing this yourself? If so, great, I'll be here to help make sure that the boundaries that we've established are being enforced. But like, I will let you do your work and I'm here as a resource as needed. So it really comes down to really open communication a lot of the times the hesitance is this fear that 
they're losing control, particularly from directors, is that they're someone's taking their creative control away from them. And I cannot emphasize enough that that's not what I'm here to do. Um, and in fact, I'm here to offer options and tools. I have so many tools at my disposal that I can offer to help you achieve what story you're trying to tell. Can you elaborate a little more about uh, what you might do on set and maybe if you could give examples of some techniques you might use? Yeah. So my work actually starts even before we step on set. The first thing I do is I sit down and I have conversations with the director and the cast and we really outline first what is the scene we're doing. What's the story you're going to tell? What's the idea? Why are these characters here? How did they arrive here? And then physically, how do you envision telling that story? Really getting to the nitty gritty details because you'd be surprised. Like people say, oh, well, they have sex. Mm. Well, that's that could be so many things. And, and it's my job to kind of tease out the idea and the very physical boundaries around what the imagined storytelling is. I take that information to the cast and we work together to establish their boundaries around that specific work. So it's about me presenting as much information to them as I can. We give them context for their consent. And then if they, you know, there's something it's like the director would really like this shot if, of this body part and this distance. And they're like, ooh, that's that's really close. I don't love that. And it's like, okay, let's talk about that. What's that bringing up? Is it the whole body part? Is it the distance? And it's really just trying to understand their consent. So my goal is when we get on set, we have a really clear idea of this container of boundaries that we're working within. I say two sides are the script and two sides are the personal performers boundaries. And then in that there's play. So then I'm there with literal tools as in like squishy balls and pieces of foam and neoprene and modesty garments and all of these things to physically help support the scene. And then I also come with choreography tools. There's different options. If a performer doesn't want to be seen in a certain angle or in a certain way, we can move their bodies in a way that's more comfortable for them, but still achieves the story we're trying to tell. And that's always what we're in pursuit of. We're always in pursuit of telling our story and getting that, but doing it in a way that feels safe for everyone involved. Do, do they ever use body doubles anymore? Yeah, body doubles are an option that we can offer to say to someone. So say this, say that someone's been on a network TV show where you don't know that you're going to have a sex scene, you know, three seasons later. That's not even been written yet. And say that comes down and that performer is really uncomfortable with physically doing that scene for whatever reason it could be mm -hmm. a personal issue or a mental health issue things like different things that could be going on that's something that can absolutely be offered is the boundary around your character doing this or is the boundary that you your body cannot do this and so in that case body doubles are on offer for people that need them we hear that there are some people in the industry who think of an intimacy coordinator or coach as kind of a police officer. So can you explain that? And what do you say to those who think that way? Yeah, so that that's what we touched on a bit earlier is this idea that I'm somehow the barrier between the actor and the director, or I'm there to be, you know, the the morality police or the like, here's how we do this right police. And that's not the role at all. My role there is entirely a support role. So I'm there to make sure that everybody who's involved has the support they need. And for some people, that's not a lot. Some people, it's just like, 
I'm good. I, I know myself. I know how to do these scenes. Like I feel really confident in my body and I'm very, I just want to talk to the director and get this done. In which case I go, great. And I like to say in the, those kind of scenarios, I act as a human emergency exit sign. And you know that if, if you go into this scene feeling super confident and then all of a sudden you get in front of the camera and you get in front of the crew and someone had onions and the lights aren't right and things are... You can come to me and you can say, look, I'm not feeling the way I thought I would feel and I need help. You have an advocate there right there for you. And we're going to find solutions together for this. So it doesn't matter or does it matter if the director uh, does not want an intimacy coordinator on set, but the actors do. Uh, how do you work that out? It seems like you're a real good PR person because that it takes all of that too. And yeah. and a little bit of uh, therapist as well. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So there's a that's a lot of training goes into this uh, on kind of all sides of this from the physical choreography and movement training to also a lot of mental health awareness training. Now I'm not a licensed therapist, um, but I have like emergency. I have uh, mental health first aid training, things like that, so I can be a a first point of contact support. Say if someone is having a mental health crisis uh, as things come up, but. Yeah, in situations where, say, the actors want uh, an intimacy coordinator and the director doesn't, yeah, there's a lot of of having to be very still and calm in myself and know that I'm not going to make everybody happy all of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am there to provide support to the people that are most vulnerable in the situation, which in many, most cases is the performers. I'm going to be here if you need me. Is there certificates schools, organizations that, you know, give you something that now you are an intimacy coordinator after doing A to Z study? So there's, it's still an evolving field in how intimacy coordinators are trained, but right now there do exist effectively what we call certification programs. Um, and there is now a list that sag has compiled of certification programs that meet um, their qualifications for intimacy coordinators who complete them to be put on a sag aftra qualifications list, meaning these are these are intimacy coordinators that have met a certain threshold of training and experience and now effectively are being uh, endorsed by sag aftra as, you know, meeting this minimum requirement. So uh, the organization I actually completed my training with is Intimacy Directors and Coordinators, which is, uh, I love them to death. They're a fabulous organization. I can't say nice enough things about them, but there are other organizations throughout the country and abroad as well that do similar training. Uh, But again, the training is an evolving field and it's something where Self-study is a huge component of this. So it's not like you can just walk into a classroom and expect to know everything you need to know to go on to set and do this work. Uh, I think a background in the industry is really, really important in some capacity, whether that's as a performer or as a crew member, things like that. Um, And you also have to really be hungry for knowledge on things like mental health, on uh, representation and queer rights issues, you uh, on anti-racism practices, um, as well as movement uh, techniques, as well as, you know, li- like literal choreogra- choreography for sex techniques. Like there's a lot that goes into it in training and outside of training to really prepare you for this work. Now, speaking of the queer community, uh, tell us about your experience with the LGBTQ uh, community and how that has helped you grow uh, in this industry. Yeah, well, so I am a proud member of the LGBTQ community. I am uh, I identify as bisexual and uh, I 
am in community with wonderful people all day long where we're talking about these issues constantly in our society, where we're talking about consent and how we breed consent culture uh, outside in our community and outside of it. And um, it's also given me a unique perspective. Um, I'm able to support directors when they want to tell queer stories from a very authentic point of view. Um, you know, we're still, we're still telling stories. They're not my story, but I'm able to, to lend my own experiences and my own, um, yeah, my own personal experiences to, to that storytelling and help craft something that feels more authentic to my community. And that's always an exciting opportunity. I did, I just did a, um, a lovely visual album where we were telling a, a story of like queer love for the first time. And it was just delightful to work with these two performers and, and tell that story and find these little storytelling moments in our choreography where it's not just about telling a really hot sex scene, but it's about like finding those moments of personal growth and intimacy outside of the movement um, and little, little like things we can sneak in that I'm like, oh, that feels much more like real to me. That feels much more like that's mm -hmm. something, let's take a pause here. Let's give you guys a moment to like, take that, take that breath or take that look or laugh about something. And, and that's always exciting. So yeah, it, just being a part of that community has really informed my work and has really, and continues to support me in that work. My community is, is wholeheartedly supportive of the work I do. And it's always lovely. Isn't it, is it gay pride month? It Happy pride month, right? Yes. yes. We're, we're, it's so exciting. I love pride month. What would you say are the biggest challenges and the biggest rewards of what you do? I would say the biggest challenge right now is is definitely a lack of education about the work. Um, so I talk about this a lot in my cohorts and a lot with my my other colleagues about half of your job when you come into work isn't just doing the job, but it's educating. And that can be really difficult because you you are going against a lot of preconceived notions of what you do. You're, go, you're going into a lot of times situations where there's a lot of resistance to what you do. And so it takes an immense amount of patience and self-assuredness in the value of your work um, to be able to step into that environment, especially if you're, say, younger to the profession, if you're still, you know, trying to get your feet under you and you're kind of getting thrown in with just the like, prove to why we need, prove to us why we need this. That's where community really becomes a huge part of this is making sure you have people supporting you that, you know, you can talk to and be like, oh man, they just, everyone here seems to hate me and they want me to go home. And it's like, they remind you why you're there. And, and uh, yeah, that's, that's a challenging part, but rewarding. I mean, I could be here all day talking about the rewards, but for me, the core reward is that I adore our industry in what we can create and what we, the stories we're able to tell and, and the way we're able to impact culture and impact people's perception of the world. And to be able to make the process of doing that safer and into an environment where we put the artist ahead of the art is so deeply rewarding to me because I, you know, I suffered harm in the industry myself from not just like in the idea of sexual harassment, but also just like the psychological pressures that are put on you in the industry. And so bringing the idea of consent into the industry for me is a very revolutionary act. Um, and I, I talk to my colleagues about this a lot. The word no just has not existed in entertainment in a significant way. And it's very rewarding to see people's reactions to someone who's giving them permission to say no. I'm excited. I'm thinking this podcast will, will go all over the place and let people finally know what intimacy coordinators do, because this is truly an education for us, I think. Absolutely. 
what advice do you have to give to someone who is thinking about entering this profession? I would say the best thing to do if you're looking to enter this profession is to, there are many kind of introductory courses. I know IDC offers a kind of intimacy coordinating 101 course. Throw yourself into that like initial education, explore it, be curious, and be really open to expanding your definition of what this work is you may come in with a very narrow idea of like oh this is what you know I'm going to do and it's going to go like this but I think having a really open mind to all of the ways in which this work is going to challenge you and is going to uh, demand that you look outside of yourself and that you examine things you might be uncomfortable examining about your role in the world um, and how you can help contribute to improvements in the systems that we currently work in. I think that's that's a really key part of this work that goes often kind of unnoticed by the flashy like headlines. And last but certainly not least, uh, if people want to find out more about you and maybe hire you, where can they find you? Yeah, so you can find my website is uh, evelynfogelmancreative.com. So you can find all of the information on my work and my uh, and my booking there. Um, you can also find me on the internet at eTrainLife. Um, you can find me on social medias there. That's where a lot of, I do a lot of like comedic education, uh, particularly about like queer culture uh, and things through those platforms. But specifically my intimacy work, you can find it at evelynfogelmancreative.com. Well, we really want to thank you. This has been fascinating, educational, and exciting to know that there are people like you out there to protect. I'm so glad. I, I yeah. love this work. I would do it every day of my life if I could. Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear from you, so please send your comments and questions to info at nowletstalkthepodcast.com and check out our website at nowletstalkthepodcast.com. Stay safe, and we'll see you next time. 